during the week. That is it uh, in terms of announcements. We are so excited because we start a brand new series today called Unhurried. Um, this is going to be good. And Shane uh, is going to be preaching just now. We're so excited to have him up. But before that, we have a video from Ross, who's going to really kind of just unpack what the series is about. He couldn't be with us today, so he's recorded a video. Um, and we're going to play that, and then Shane will get up after that. So take a look at this. I am so excited today to launch The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It is a series based on a book that I honestly believe can change your life. Um, you know, when God created this world, he created an environment into which we were designed to thrive. We recently asked a doctor to come into our space and tell us how the brain works and how to make it thrive, how to have mental health that thrives. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but there are so many people who are exhausted at the moment. And so he came in and he said to us, after making sure you're hydrated and, and you've eaten, after you've surviving, he said, the thing that makes your brain thrive the most is sleep. Not just that you sleep, not that you sleep for a long time, but that you have a quality of sleep. And, and then he told us, that the way you get great sleep is you wake up and you look at the sunrise in the morning. Because when you look at the sunrise in the morning, your eyes, the cones in your eyes, pick up the light and they tell your body to start releasing serotonin that basically takes a whole long time to go into the body, to build up and then go into the body. And what will happen if you see that sunlight, and then especially if you go into the sun again at lunchtime, is that your body will tell you when to go to sleep. He said, the second most important thing is nature. That you just walk out into nature and you fill your soul with nature and you feel the sand between your feet with a surfboard under your arm. And the third thing he said was that you, you practice thanksgiving. When you practice gratitude, it literally makes the brain light up. It causes all the good chemicals to flow in your brain, creates great mental health. The fourth thing he said was that you, um, you do, I guess, random acts of kindness or um, you do unconditional love. You practice unconditional love. So I realized that God has blessed surfers. Uh, we wake up in the morning. We see this beautiful sunrise. We, we experience a response inside of us of just gratitude as we're in creation. And the response is we say, God, what do you want us to do for you today? And we practice unconditional love. This is us thriving at the best we possibly can. I'm sure there's some other sport that you can do too. But with this in mind, I have been watching the exhaustion of people's souls and looking for a way to minister into the problem that I, I hadn't really understood and I recently read and heard an author, uh, who's also a speaker, speak about the concept of work and rest and toil and leisure. And what he spoke about was that God put us in a garden to work and do good work. Work that bears fruit, that multiplies. Work, in other words, that adds value to humanity around. And then he designed it so that on the seventh day we would rest, that our souls would recoup. 
And just like we were designed for the circadian rhythm or the sort of living in accordance with the sunlight, instead of work and rest, we invented light bulbs. And we worked and worked and worked, and that became toil. Toil is essentially us not just working, a full day of work, but us working and working and working. We, we invented cell phones, and now 60% of cell phone users work for 13 and a half hours a day or are attached to work for 13 and a half hours a day. That's toil. It's fruitless labor. It's, it's labor to make enough money to have leisure. Leisure is fruitless rest. It's buying Netflix and binging away and ordering takeout so that you don't have to cook a meal instead of being with your family and preparing a meal and switching off the TV and turning off the lights and starting early and having conversations about the highs and the lows of your day and making your kids cut the carrots and mom tell us how to spice it and dad put the meat together. It's a rest that is junk food for the soul. And so much of our lives, so driven by culture, says, turn to the junk food of the soul. It will fill you up. And yet I see people doing more weekends away and buying more subscriptions to different things and spending more time in entertainment and working harder than they've ever worked before and living with a numbness of their souls. And so this series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, gets to the core of what's wrong and gives you incredibly practical solutions to fix what's wrong. So today, I'm so excited to welcome up Shane. He's going to be preaching the first of the series. But throughout the series, you're going to hear practical ways to break out of toil and leisure into work and rest. And I believe this is going to be incredibly impactful for our church. I would really encourage you to invite people, but may this bless you and won't you put your hands together for Shane as he comes up. <laughs> well, uh, good, uh, good morning, Olive Tree Church. Um, it's, it's really good to see you. It's really good to be part of a community as we seek and pursue Jesus together. Uh, thanks, Tim. Uh, so this, as Ross said, we're starting a new series. But um, this is really a, ma- a massive topic, and it's pretty impossible to do on, on like one Sunday in a short period of time. So if you do come to church maybe once every two, three weeks, and something grabs you, why don't you come for the next four weeks? That's going to be the length of the series. But this morning, I'm just going to be really laying a foundation, and there's going to be some amazing speakers coming after me that are going to be getting into the more practical nuts and bolts of how to unhurry our lives and how to slow down. So will not you join me on a journey? Um, to unhurry our souls. But in saying that, can I pray? Lord, (laughs) I pray that you would do something this morning that words cannot do. I pray that you would come and, in a sense, arrest our hearts and and captivate our gaze again um, as I speak this morning and as we go through some really cool ideas. Amen. So I want to start with a bit of a story from 150 years ago. There was this English traveler that came to Africa intent on a, on, on, a, on a really hurried journey. He hired some, some local porters to help him carry his supplies and, and all his wares and all his goods, and he clucked it through the jungle. Um, late into the night, 
early into the morning, and then after a few days of this travel that he was super impressed with himself, the porters refused to move anymore. And he begged, and he pleaded, and he offered to pay more money. And no matter what he did, these guys would just not budge. And then eventually, he asked why. And their response was, we are waiting for our souls to catch up to our bodies. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? Like, man, I just need a holiday. Yo, I need a break. A nice kind of beach holiday somewhere. Somewhere in the Berg or even flying overseas somewhere. Go visit Europe or anywhere. Just get me out of here. Hey, anyone can relate? I know Bones can. Thanks, Bones. <laughs> but you see, here's the thing. Holidays and breaks, as good as what they are, they're not the answer. Because no sooner do we come back to reality and we're back at this frenetic pace that we left off with. So there's obviously something deeper going on here. There's something deeper inside of us, below the surface that we need to address. And I think the thing is, is a lot of us have this chronic hurriness, they call it. In fact, psychologists are calling that. You have a chronic state of hurry. Now, how do we know if we've got this hurry sickness? Well, here's some fun clues before I get into some deep stuff. You're standing in a supermarket, you've done your grocery shopping, and now you're choosing aisles. But you check and you see, okay, that on, that, there are lots of groceries there. No, this aisle's going to go faster because there's only, this one's got like three items, that one's got five items. Okay, I'm going to choose this aisle. But then lo and behold, that aisle goes faster. So what do we do? Oh, no, I'm going to get into this aisle. <laughs> so we chop and we change aisles. Or, or maybe you're approaching a, a red robot or a traffic light. All the cars are lined up there, and now you're assessing. You're like, oh, no, there's a truck in that one. Nope, 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 not going to get in that lane. There's five cars there. No, there's a taxi in that one. I'm so going to get behind that one because they go before the robot's red, and then I'll be A for away. <laughs> or... Um, or maybe you, uh, I found this was me the other day. I was, in, I was on the M4, I was weaving in and out of traffic. And I thought, well, I'm in such a hurry, but I've got loads of time to get to where I want to be. Why, why, why am I in such a hurry? I don't, I've got loads of time. Eh? Can anyone relate? Um, now, John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, has this self inventory test that we can do, because maybe some of those doesn't apply to you. Uh, maybe you guys are, are much better than me. <laughs> All three of those apply to me. But uh, let, let, let's scratch below the surface a little bit. So what he says is, he says, do the self-inventory test to see if you have this hurry sickness. And some of the symptoms of hurry sickness is you're highly irritable. Um, you get mad, frustrated, or annoyed way too easily. People have to tiptoe around you. Um, now, don't just sort of assess how you treat your colleagues or your neighbors. Assess how you treat those closest to you, like your spouse, your kids, your roommates, perhaps your parents, if, you, if you're living at home. You're hypersensitive. It's another symptom where all it takes is a minor comment just to ruin your whole day. Because I'm just, I'm just a hurry, boom, that, don't know how to fit that in. Or there's this restlessness where... Um, you want to slow down, but you can't relax. You go to bed early because you realize you need sleep, but you toss and you turn and you toss and you turn because it's just this sort of deep anxiety about us. Or, or you sit down to rest 
and perhaps watch TV or stream something or whatever, and uh, while you're sitting watching, you're scrolling on your phone. Or, or maybe you fold laundry or you do something. There's just this restlessness. I just can't sit still. There's emotional numbness. Sorry, these are quite heady, and then I'm going to get into some fun stuff. <laughs> um, you, you're emotionally numb. You just saw my numb. You don't have the capacity to feel other people's emotions or, or even, like sometimes even your own emotions. You just can't feel anything. Your priorities are out of order. You get sucked into the urgent and not necessarily the important. You're reactive and not proactive. Uh, you're busier than you've ever been, but yet you don't have time for the things that really matter. Um, or escapist behaviors. We... Uh, too tired to do the things that are really life-giving to our souls, so we turn to our distraction of choice, social media, hours and hours of scrolling. Now, there's nothing wrong with these things, but when we use them to escape from reality, they can eat you alive. It's like Ross was saying, it's like junk food for our souls, and we can't live on junk food, or we don't take care of our bodies, we don't sleep enough, we don't exercise enough. These are all sort of self-inventory test to see if we have this hurry sickness, or we're isolated. We, uh, we feel isolated, disconnected from God, disconnected from our friends. Um, even when we are with our mates, our mind is just so far away because we can't wait to get back to our devices or, or whatever. So how did you do? <laughs> I failed. <laughs> uh, I didn't do pretty well on those. <laughs> you see, the problem is, as I think a lot of us are almost addicted to this pace of life. Like, we're addicted to it. It's, and it's so jolly hard because slowing down is foreign to us. It's like a foreign language. We, we're going against the trend. We're going against the culture because the culture almost says the, the, the busier you are, the more important you must be. So, so, so we think, oh, I've got to make myself busier. I've got to be. I, I, in fact, <laughs> like, like, I don't know if maybe you, you, you bump into a mate that you haven't seen in a while. And the conversation goes something like this, say, hey, bro, how are you, bro? No, I'm well, man. Yeah, just busy, eh? Hey, just busy. And you? Hey, no, I'm well, man. Just busy, eh? (laughs) Yeah, you see? (laughs) Touching a nerve. And and we almost wear it with this badge of honor that, look at me, I'm so busy. (laughs) But have you ever stopped to ask yourself, why am I so busy? Why? Why? Am I so busy? And psychologists will tell you, often the issue is not the issue. I don't know if you've heard that before. There's often something deeper behind the issue that we, you, we need to explore and, and, and uncover. And I think the lot of, a lot of the times, it's nerve-wracking being up here. <laughs> um, a, a, um, uh, a lot of the time, I think we have this deep subconscious need to prove ourselves, to say, I matter. My life has meaning. My life has value. And we chase, we chase, and we chase. Now, if I, if I, if I, can, if I can be a bit vulnerable with, with my, my life here, I'm, I'm in an industry where I don't, I don't earn um, a sort of a basic salary. Uh, we work on fee income. And, 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 and when you're in that sort of environment, there's no real limit. You can go write your own paycheck, Woo-hoo, similar to owning your own business. There's no, there's no real limit um, on, your, on, your, on your potential. So, so what happened is my job became the primary vehicle for me to prove myself. Busier and busier, bigger deals, bigger clients. And then I wanted to take it national. So then I started building client bases all over the country, flying, flying here, flying here. And, and what started to happen is I started to get some recognition from the company. And, uh, 
And then I, I got asked to speak at events. I got invited to these events. Ooh. <laughs> and then they wanted to interview me for YouTube videos. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I am the man. Mag- magazine articles. And, and uh, I love this. Shush. I thought, geez, I'm the man. Look at me. And I went faster and faster and faster. And I left a trail of destruction behind me. I didn't see what I was doing. Um, because you know what the thing is, is this, this deep need for affirmation is all-consuming. Why? Because it's never enough. It's a moving target. You go, 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 and then you get there, and then there's another one. And you think, if I just got here, oh man, then everything will be sorted. And then you get there, and you're like, huh? Is this it? And then you go again, and then you go again, and then you go again. Um, I just want to read a quote by, now I'm going to give my age away here, by Madonna. Anyone know <laughs> Madonna? Uh, my, my, my 12-year-old daughter tells me who the famous people are now. She doesn't know who Madonna is. But Madonna was really famous in the 80s and 90s. And uh, um, Vanity Fair, when they did magazines and stuff, um, did, a, did a profile on Madonna, and, and they interviewed her about her iron will and her trepidation. And this is what she says, um, and I quote, Madonna, and all my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and I think I'm mediocre. And I find I get myself out of that, but then again and again and again, I keep going and keep going. My drive in life comes from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me and pushing me. Even famous people have this thing to prove themselves. I mean, you think if you get to that level, you couldn't give a continental, but anyway. But kept going and kept going. And now, now I could relate because I wanted to prove that I'm not mediocre. I'm not average. I matter. And, and here's the thing. Is it was never a conscious thing. It was never a, oh, I'm so busy because I'm trying to prove myself. No, it's below the surface. It sits underneath there, deep in your soul, trying to justify And then I went faster and faster and faster. And you know what happened? COVID. (laughs) Here we go. No more invites. No no more magazine articles. No more YouTube videos. No more recognition. No more nothing. I was alone with myself, with my thoughts. Now what? I mean, what happened was uh, I ended up on my psychologist's chair, crying my eyes out, saying, Kirsten, if I'm not busy, she's an amazing psychologist, if ever you need one, just recommend. <laughs> Little ad there for um, But I said, Kirsten, if I'm not busy, then who am I? Who am I if I'm not busy? And I started to kind of ask some hard questions about my life, and I thought, am I trying to prove my worth and value in my busyness? And what am I trying to prove? And who am I trying to impress? Who am I trying to prove this to? You see, here's the thing. Toxic busyness can, discamif- can, can camouflage itself or disguise itself with noble intentions. I'm so busy because I want to provide for my family. I'm so busy. I'm just so busy because. Why are you busy? It might be noble. Like if we look at some scripture, 
Um, we look at Mary and Martha in, in Luke 10. If we could just put that up, please. Um, Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem from verse 38. Um, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's um, feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, um, and I can imagine Jesus saying this with the most tender voice, with the most caring tone, saying, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over these details. I think the ESV says you are anxious and concerned about these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. Now, when Jesus says there's one thing, man, I wanna listen. I wanna know, man, what is that one thing being concerned about? Now, just picture Mary's posture, sitting at Jesus' feet, just lapping it up, saying, hey, Lord, hey, I, I want to hear, I want to hang on to every word you say. Teach me, teach me. I, I, I want to learn what you have to say. I want to implement everything you're saying. I, I, I want to I I just be your disciple. I want you to teach me. See, what, what Jesus, I mean, what Mary was effectively doing is she was becoming Jesus' disciple. And whenever you see that word disciple, it actually, the, the, the translation of it is apprentice, Jesus wanted to be, Jesus, Jesus wanted to, Mary wanted to be Jesus' apprentice. Now, now, what comes to mind when you think of apprentice? I remember back in the day, people would go to trade schools and to learn an apprenticeship. You would be a carpenter or an electrician or a welder or a plumber. There would be, um, s- s- we, I mean, <laughs> one of my friends who, who was an apprentice, he said, oh, back in the days when I was an appy. So he went, I hope that's not offensive and I'm sorry, he said it's not, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> Um, but we would be, they would go and they would become an apprentice. And what would happen is they would be teamed up with a teacher that knew more than them, that, that was way clued up, and this teacher would then help this apprentice. And he would watch him, and then this apprentice would like, so let's say he's an electrician, and he has to connect some wires. The, 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 the teacher or the professional would say, no, 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 don't go down that road. That thing will cause an explosion, and you'll blow up, and it'll kill you. Don't do that. Follow me, do it like this, follow me. Because you see, here's the thing. The teacher knew the end result for the apprentice. The teacher knew where this could end up if the apprentice just listened to him. He could see the end result. He knew where this was going. And he knew the end goal. You see, what was happening is the apprentice was effectively being yoked to his teacher. Now, when I say yolk, I don't mean an egg yolk, which I thought that's, that's what it was, but <laughs> I'll get into that now. But um, Jesus talks about a yolk. talks about a yolk in Matthew 11, 28. He says, uh, picking it up in 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Why? No, it doesn't say why. I'm saying why. Um, Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So what is a yoke? If you can, please put that definition up. Uh, whoever I talk to out there, someone, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Mm. So a yoke is a wooden cross piece that is fastened over the neck of two animals and is attached to a plow. So you can imagine these two oxen together. If we could put the, 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 the next picture up, please. Um, so, so what would happen is two oxen would effectively be yoked together with a task, and, 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 and that yoke would essentially share the burden. It would share the burden of the task, whether it's plowing or pulling a cart. Because remember, this was, this was an agrarian society that Jesus was speaking to. So we've got to look at this context, the scripture in context. Um, and what he was essentially saying was, the, 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 this yoke, that's what it does. Is, but here's the thing. Some farmers could incorrectly yoke the oxen, and they could attach two oxen together where the one would end up destroying the other one. So this, this yoking is like super important. What are we going to yoke ourselves to? Or the oxen could just go around in circles like this, go around and, and get nowhere because the one oxen is just super stronger than the other one, and then he just drags the other one round and round, 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 round. Not get, yeah, I'm getting dizzy. Um, shouldn't do that when the adrenaline's going. Uh, um, so here's the thing. We are all yoked to something. We're all yoked to something in this life which we think will meet the needs of our souls. And what begins to happen is this thing that we are yoked to begins to infiltrate every area of our lives. I was yoked to work. Work consumed me. I would plan my diary and my family time and emails and blah, 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 all around my work. It infiltrated every area. I was yoked to my work. Perhaps you yoked your work or your business or your qualification or something where, where it just consumes you. You could be yoked to a person. I think if I'm going to, I'm yoked to this person and this person is just going to influence my life. I'm going to do what they want to do. I'm just going to be a people pleaser. And, and, or I think if I find the right person to be yoked to, maybe you don't have a person, but you're longing for a person to be yoked to, or Oh, excuse me, maybe um, you, 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 you yoked your device and you can't go anywhere without, I left my phone at home this morning, I shot out to the shops, it was beautiful. <laughs> um, but you, you can be yoked to your device where, where, where you like in panic stations if you don't have this thing, like, like near me, we all yoked to something. And the thing is, is this yoking starts to infiltrate our thoughts, our actions, our belief, and every area of our lives. So then we need to ask the question, if Jesus tells us to take his yoke, what does that look like? Mm. What does it look like to be yoked to Jesus? Well, think of the oxen. Think of those two oxen that were yoked together. Or, or think of that apprenticeship that, 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 that was yoked to his teacher. Um, no matter where they would go, the oxen would, or the teacher would be next to them, or the, the oxen that you yoke to is next to them. So, so what does it look like to be yoked to Jesus? That's effectively what it is. Is wherever I go, I've got Jesus next to me. Lord, where do I live? Okay, okay, you want me to live here? Okay, cool. We're gonna live. But but but, but I, I want you to live here. Okay, okay. We're gonna live here. We're gonna live here. Or actually, how do you want me to run my business? Okay, okay. How do you want me to run my business? Okay, you want me to run my business like this? Okay, I'm gonna do this. Uh, okay, I'm gonna because my my teacher, my Jesus, is I'm yoked to him. 
How, how do you want me to deal with friendships? Okay, this friend really hurt me. Oh, forgive. Okay. <laughs> Go reconcile. Or, or, or I can't believe that, that they did this to me. Uh, yeah, you know, okay. Jesus, you know what they did to me? Actually, I forgave. I'll give you the strength to forgive. Actually, where, where, where do you want me to go? How, my finances. Oh, oh, Lord, I'm stressing. Don't worry. I'll look after you. I'll, so I'm getting my left and right confused. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, me. I'm stressing. I'm stressing. Actually, I'll look after you. Be generous. Be generous. Give. But, but Lord, but Lord, I don't know. Actually, I'll look after you. I'll look after you. Wow, that's amazing. No one's ever clipped for me. <laughs> Marriage. How do you want me to do marriage? Jesus, I'm yoked to you. I'm yoked to you. How do you want me to do this marriage? How do you? Now your clapping has thrown me all off, but thank you. <laughs> uh, and what is the end result of this yoking? Rest. Rest. Rest for your souls. It's rest. It's rest. You see, when Jesus invites us to take his yoke, he's not saying, he has a new yoke. Uh, you don't have one already. Like, like, try this. Give it a try. Give it a bash. Maybe it'll be nice. No. He's saying you have a yoke already. You are already yoked to something. And what is the fruit of that yoke in your life? But man, if you take my yoke, the fruit is rest and peace for your soul. It is rest. It is rest. It is rest. You see, Jesus never said life would be easy. But he said, my yoke will be easy. He said, my yoke will be easy. Take my yoke upon you. Now, why is this yoke easy? I'll tell you why it's easy. Because Jesus has done the hardest work on the cross. He's lived the life that you and I should have lived, and he's died the death that you and I should have died. He's done all the work to prove us. He's done the work that when we stand before the Father, we have nothing to prove because Jesus has proved it all for you, that when you are in Christ and you stand before the Father, man, you've got nothing to prove because Jesus has proved your life. He has done the work for you. So what, and then our souls find rest in that. And then I couldn't care about whether I'm on a jolly YouTube video or a magazine article or whatever because the King of Kings approves of me in Christ. And I don't care what car I drive or what house I live in or blah, 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 blah. All the things I try to prove myself because the creator of the universe looks at me and you and he says, my beloved son, my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. It's an identity that brings rest to your souls. Um, I love what St. Augustine says in his confessions. He said, um, you have, he's talking to God now, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Okay, cool. So, we've spoken about the one thing that matters. We've spoken about the light yoke. Now what? How do I slow down? <laughs> because that's what the series is all about. Um, and I've intentionally left these practical steps to the end. Because I'll tell you why. If I started off with practical steps, boom, 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 you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, it's gonna be just 
another legalistic yoke for you to bear. And you're going to walk out here and think, oh, jeepers, no, no, I don't have enough on my plate now. Now I've got to stop this and stop this and stop this. But actually, if you don't slow your soul down, man, no matter how many practical things we talk about, before you know it, you're going to be back to what you were. Because who knows, willpower is not enough. Anyone try to diet? Yes, my daughter rubbed my tummy the other day. She says, Dad, what's going on here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> willpower is not enough. We need to get to the heart. We need to get deep down, deep down into our hearts. So, sorry, I just want to make sure I haven't left anything out now. Um, see, slowing down is not hard when our yoke is easy. See, when our yoke is easy, we can slow down. The slowing down is not hard. So, yes, how about some practical steps? Uh, how can we slow our lives down? Let's get practical. Okay, so your soul is at rest now. Very important. Don't, you, don't even try to do this if your soul is not at rest. I'll just give you a heads up. So, Drive the speed limit. It's hard for me. <laughs> Get into the slow lane. Walk slower. Slow your body down so your soul can catch up. Because when we start to slow down with our bodies, I, 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 I don't understand how this works, but from what I've read, when you slow down with your body, your soul slows down as well. I'm still trying to work that out. But <laughs> I did this the other day. So I thought, okay, I've got to, pra- I've got to, I've got to practice what I preach because who wants to be a hypocrite? Um, and uh, I found myself on the M4 behind a truck. Oh, well, firstly, let me tell you the real truth. I was weaving in and out of the traffic. And then, you know, you've got the slope in front of you, but you don't see the truck around. Oh, man, now I'm going to... Now you can't get back in the fast lane. And I thought, okay, let me practice what I'm... Okay, little disclaimer. I'm not so... got my stuff all together. But while I'm there, I'm thinking, actually, okay, I know I say this in the preach. Let me do it. 80 kilometers an hour. Here, it's going to be hard. Here we go. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just... I started to think of just God's hand on my life for the last... Since I was born. And I thought, Lord, you've been with me in my darkest days when I wanted nothing to do with you. Man, you were there. Man, you've taken care of my every need. I'm super stressed about stuff, but actually I want to be in your will. Actually, that's enough. That, that, that's enough, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for, for just who you are in my life, that I have the privilege of knowing you, that you've done what you did on the cross, that I can be reconciled with you. Man, what a privilege. Man, thank you, Lord. I don't need to prove myself. Man, Lord, this is really hard. <laughs> but I'm going to keep driving at 80 kilometers an hour. And then before I knew it, my sort of Durban North turnoff was there. And I, and, so, and I was like, jeepers, that was actually quite cool. <laughs> but yet if I was, I would have pulled into the driveway. The kids get into my office. But actually, no. I, and I'm not the hero in the story. Please, I'm not pointing to myself. Um, I'm just saying some practical things just to slow down. Parent your phone. Ooh, this is a heavy one. You know when you've got young kids, you put them to bed, generally, before you, um, and then you carry on doing whatever you want to do. Um, John Mark Comer in his book says, parent your phone, put your phone to bed, and then carry on with life. <laughs> and then connect with your spouse, connect with your kids, connect with your family, connect, put your phone to bed. I promise you, and I, uh, me, I realized, because I, I started trying to do this, I'm not as important as what I think I am. That super urgent call doesn't come. That what if somebody needs me? Doesn't come. Hasn't come. Maybe you're more important than me, but nobody's phoned me. 
<laughs> since I did that. Put your phone to bed, and then when you wake up the next morning, let that phone sleep a little bit longer while you get into the Word, while you spend time with Jesus, while you worship, while you have some alone time. I didn't do that before. I would roll over. Oh, I'm such a... I'd roll over and plug my phone and check it, because <laughs> it was charging me some of it. Um, check my emails, check this. Okay, let me get into the Word. Oh, man, I'm thinking about this news, this drama, drama, this happened. Oh, the country, this, that, what, what, what. Oh, this client wants this, what, what, what. Actually, let me, I want to spend time with you, Jesus. But while I'm reading, I'm thinking the client, the country, the this, the that, the what, 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 what. And it was just, but now I'd leave that phone. <laughs> and I want to get into the Word before that stuff. I'm not saying that stuff is bad. It's part of life. But actually, feed your soul first so that you can cope with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, what else? Keep your phone off. Limit Netflix and social media. I mean, we all know. I mean, I don't want to put stuff for that. I mean, that. Is it feeding your soul? Just ask yourself that. Is it feeding your soul or is this junk food for my soul? Form healthy spiritual habits. I love, I'm a fan of James Clear, Atomic Habits. If anyone was looking for a good book to read, really good. He says, people don't decide their future. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. Start some healthy spiritual habits. Do a time assessment of your day. At the end of your day, sit down and say, did I feed my soul? First and foremost, did I feed my soul? Did I spend time with my king? Um, and actually assess, like, how much time did I spend? I mean, that screen time thing scares me. You know, iPhone, uh, if you've got an iPhone, they send you that thing on a Saturday around now, I mean, a Sunday around now, you probably got it on your phone now. Your screen time is up 50% since last year. Oh, jeepers, did I spend so much time? <laughs> Enable that thing. <laughs> Put it in because it's good to check. So, but, okay, so don't go out now and try to do all this at once. It'll kill you. Okay. Well, it'll just be legalism and you won't be able to do it. But do one small thing. Like chatting to Ross while preparing this message, he said, if, we can, if, if you can just somehow factor into your message, get the guys to start one thing and stop another thing, oh man, we're on the journey now. Because to try to do all this at once, oh, it's, it's going to kill you. So, so I thought, oh, once again, I better implement this if I'm going to tell people to do it. So what I did is I stopped email notifications coming through on my phone. I get, I don't know, whatever, over 100 emails a day. Um, and, and this thing used to consume me. I used to be talking to Sonia, boom, email. Oh, so sorry, love. Just, so I wasn't present at the time. So I've stopped that now. You know, I want to check my emails on my terms when I think I'm ready for it. So that's the one thing that I've stopped. So remember, stop one thing, start another thing. The other thing that I started doing is, is um, uh, anyone ever want to read the Bible in a year? So we get great intentions, we start out, and then by the time we get to Leviticus, it's <laughs> crash and burn. <laughs> it's really hard. And then you fall behind, and then you're just so far behind that you just give up. Um, so every year I've tried to do that. I've done it once or twice, uh, but most of the time I bomb out. So what I've done now, the thing I've started is the Bible in three years. <laughs> And I'm loving it. <laughs> just a little thing, just a little thing that we do. Sorry, I, I hate talking about myself, and I'm not the hero. I'm just giving you some, some practical things that we can implement to slow our souls down. So as I wrap up, as we go out today, maybe, maybe find a quiet place somewhere and ask yourself, um, 
Assess the speed at which you live in your life. And be honest. <laughs> just assess it. Just, am I happy with the speed at which I'm living? Um, and ask yourself, what am I yoked to? What is infiltrating every area of my life? And do I need to exchange the, the yoke that I'm carrying for Jesus' yoke? It's the exchange that I need to do. And first and foremost, remind yourself that you don't need to prove anything to anyone because God approves, not of, not of you on your own, but approves of you in Christ. In Christ, we are approved. In Christ, we have acceptance, identity, and approval. And that should settle our souls. What practical steps do you need to do to grow in your apprenticeship to Jesus? Amen. I don't know how to end. Is that it? Must I end? Okay. Thank you. Great talking to you. I don't really know how to end this thing, but have some coffee outside. Stay, connect, please. If you've got some questions, happy to answer. <laughs> Great. Have a good day. Thank you.